welcome to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we'll be going back into the waters of Big Finish. And uh, this time we're going to take a look at Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor story, Project Twilight. But first... Let's have some news. And actually, that actually, that, should we just apologise for our tweets from last night? Um, our tweets? <laughs> <laughs> My tweets, I should say. On on the, our behalf, I should say. Yes. Yeah, we we, we yeah, had no, sort of no. our, our uh, annual um, Christmas get-together last year, which uh, descended into a lot of silliness. So there were some rather <laughs> stupid tweets sent out, lots of photographs of... Um... <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, actually. I'll, if yes. you follow us on Twitter, you'll know exactly what yes. we're talking about. So. <laughs> yeah. It was all very juvenile. It was very, very so. juvenile. Um, now, another thing. Um, we actually had a, a, a sort of reply to uh, <laughs> to request for information uh, from last week's episode, which was the... Um, I, I, again, I don't know quite... But I'll just come out with it. just come out with it. It's the, the scat question. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, um, somebody quite rightly pointed out, um, one of our followers on Twitter, Josh Hapless, he um, he actually came back and said, well, I think your copy of the book had a spelling mistake, because obviously last week we reviewed uh, The Tenth Planet. And this was a line that the, one, the astronaut settled back into his scat. Um, now, I must admit, it never even occurred to me that it might actually be a spelling mistake. Yes, yeah, because where your brain goes straight it away. It does, yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> Straight to the filth. <laughs> and your mind just turned to jazz. <laughs> so there we go. I think that probably does answer the question. It was just a simple spelling mistake. Yeah. Or put in there by the author. Who knows? <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to some news then after after that little revelation. Now, this is thing. We can't remember if we spoke about this last week or not. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and say it again anyway. Um, Doctor Who has been confirmed, uh, or Series 7, Part 2, Part B, whatever, will return to our screens in April 2013. Yes, just in case if we didn't say it last week and you miss it. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> say it again. It's just weird because it, it was announced in Doctor Who magazine sort of midweek. Yeah. But I seem to recall we discussed it previously, or unless that was a phone conversation during the I can't remember. Yeah, I think we did sort of discuss it, but not. I mean, it's not. Won't necessarily go over it again, but anyway. No, that's it. That's it. So, but it does seem to um, suggest that there's not going to be a lot else Doctor Who wise. No. After that, no. and not until the fiftieth in November. Not if it's not if it's that late. Nah. So I think that's pretty much it for next year. To be honest, I don't think we're yeah. going to get the like the like you know like the a, a, a full year's worth. Not that we probably would get a four years worth anyway but I don't think it's going to be the massive celebration everybody thought it would be no no the fact is it's not even going to get this the 50th year is not even going to get its own series no which is bizarre mind you did the um have any of the others when it got to like the 20th or the 25th it didn't get its own I suppose it did really but there was just like yeah I because they was doing a series every year weren't they really yeah so. I suppose so well, I suppose the only one that was was special was um, the Five Doctors. Yeah. Which was sort of in between series, wasn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I think there's going to be a lot of disappointing people out there, but I know, if they if they put all their attention into doing an absolutely fantastic one-off episode for the 50th, so be it. I'll, I'll be happy with that, to be honest. Problem is, it's just going to heighten the expectation Take, of that yeah, episode yeah, even more, isn't it? Yeah, really? unfortunately. But, yeah, it can only lead to disappointment, I'm afraid, folks. Yes. <laughs> So don't get your hopes up. Just enjoy it for what it is, I it's, think. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, well, talking of the 50th, BBC Audio Go um, have announced that the... I think, we again, we did mention this previously on an episode of the podcast, that BBC Audio Go and Big Finish uh, teamed up uh, for the 50th anniversary next year. And they're releasing uh, a different story each month, one for each doctor. So, obviously, they're going to kick off with um, a first doctor story in January. Now, the actual series has been given a name now. It's called Destiny of the Doctor. And the first story, uh, which I just said kicks off in January, is now, it's now got a title. It's called Hunters of Earth. Yeah. Yeah, which is a first Doctor story featuring Susan. And it's set uh, prior to an unearthly child. Ah, interesting. Hmm. So, yeah, apparently it's all set in uh, Shoreditch, so it says here. But it's actually, the story is performed by Caroline Ford and Tam William. Now, I don't know if this is some bloke doing an impression of William Hartnell or not. I don't know. Yeah, no, I looked at it and I wasn't quite sure where yeah, it doesn't really, that was going. doesn't really say, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be purchasing that, I think. Mm. Just to... Uh, wait, yeah, so we, can't, we can't moan about not doing a lot for the 50th anniversary and then not get stuff that's released for the 50th anniversary yeah, by other people. Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. I mean, it's, um, I mean fair play to, to Big Finish and Audio Go for doing this, really. At, le- at least they're doing something each month. Yeah, like we say, you know. there seems to be a lot more going on by pe- by people outside of yeah. BBC television mm. than there is by BBC television for it. Yeah, I, obviously, you know, audio is a lot cheaper to produce than television. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, you know, that's that, if that's what it is, that's what it is. And, you know, yeah. you just got to <laughs> grow it with both hands if that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so uh, and uh, actually, we still haven't booked our tickets for the BFI things. Next, no, we no. <laughs> which is next month, actually. So. Yeah, and probably sold out one. Probably, yeah. but oh well, we'll have to try to do the February one then. Mm. But uh, yeah, so here we go. There we go. Um, now, something else we mentioned uh, previously on the podcast was the Bonhams Entertainment Memorabilia Auction, where there was a few uh, sort of Doctor Who and Sarah Jane. And the odd bit of tortured stuff, um, like costumes and scripts and bits and pieces like that, going um, up for auction. Yeah. And basically, the results of that have uh, have been published. And obviously, there's quite a few things there, but I'm not gonna, obviously going to go through every single lot. But the ones that sort of attracted the most uh, the most money uh, was Sarah Jane's um, car, which is a, which is a 1991 Nissan Figaro. Uh, they went for six thousand pounds in the end. Yeah. Which, to be quite honest, because I'd look at what they're worth on the second air market, and it's not that any more expensive. No. To be honest. So it didn't go for any extortionate amount of money, in all honesty. Um, the next sort of next highest one was the SV7 costume from the Robots of Death. Yeah, which I can understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that went for £2,500, which is a, yeah. a, a good, good, print, handsome sum. And next one down from that was Captain Jack's uh, RF greatcoat. Yeah, again, you can sort of see... It's an iconic... Yeah, I'm still not costume. quite sure that you'd pay that much for... Yeah, that went for £2,125. Yeah. Mm, that's a lot of money. And then um, sort of the last sort of one that went for sort of over, over £1,000 was Sarah Jane's costume from Invasion of the Bane. Yeah. Yeah, and that went for 1250 I mean, those are the two that went for quite considerably more than the estimate, aren't they? Yeah, that was valued at between five and six hundred pounds. Sarah Jane's costume. Yeah, but most of the other ones went 
um, well, yeah, reasonably. Yeah, the robots of death that went for because that was valued between two and three thousand. That went slap yeah. bang in the middle of, the, of that estimate. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, as you can say, you can you can imagine that because that's not something that you could even sort of make up yourself. No, that's right. That's right. You could do, I suppose, if you really yeah. wanted to. But yeah, I mean, so um, the uh, the Nissan Figaro car that went for its highest um, yeah. valuation at six thousand. Yeah, but as um, you say, that that's sort of in the yeah budget wise of what that's worth anyway that's it. as a, in itself. But you say there's a prize one is Captain Jack's coat that was valued between seven hundred and nine hundred pounds. Yeah, that's crazy money. That's that that is the the added value of fandom, isn't it? Though? Oh yeah. But uh, I thought the one that one that sort of valued the highest after the um, Robots of Death um, costume, which was the foam shark model from A Christmas Carol. Yeah, um, that was valued between the thousand pounds and one thousand five hundred pounds, and in the end, it only went for eight hundred and seventy-five pounds. Someone's got a bargain. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And there was only one um, that failed to sell, unfortunately, which was the revelation of the Daleks' autographed scripts for episodes one and two. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't say who autographed them, does it? Or does it? Uh, it doesn't on this, no. 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 So yeah, it could well depend on who'd autographed them. Yeah. That's so, it. Uh, but yeah, you'd, you'd surprising they didn't. Yeah, I know. I thought, thought that would have um, that would have gone, to be honest. But... I mean, it sort, of, it sort of tells you where people go, because the Planet of Spider scripts went, didn't they? Uh, yeah, they went, again... They Less than their... A lot less than they're uh, valued. Yeah. Yeah, they went for 875 quid. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, actually, no, that was valued between 1,200 and 1,500 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that that was actually valued more than the Sharp model, which you can understand. So I missed that one off the list, actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it's a bit few surprising results in there, actually. Yeah, not quite. I understand. Yeah, never understand how these things go, do you? Huh? Nah, that's it. Obviously, it's so, worth worth something to a collector, and yeah, and <laughs> some things just have, just don't attract any value whatsoever, do they? So, no. Nah. Oh well, that's a shame. That's a shame. Okay, now um, one thing that happened after we put the podcast or recorded the podcast last week, I should say, uh, was the sad news that Sir Patrick Moore passed away. Yes, at the age of eighty nine. It's, it's a it's actually quite weird, actually, to sort of believe that there's he's no longer going to be on the television. Yeah, it just was a fixture, wasn't it? You could you knew anything to do with astronomy was going to be him on the yeah. BBC, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, he was an absolute. Oh, he's an institution. He was more than a. Le- he was a legend, institution, whatever you want to, whatever you want to yeah. call him. I mean, he did have a. As I put it, he's one of life's eccentrics, wasn't he? Yes. To put it mildly, and he has some very, very strong views on uh, certain aspects of uh, of society. But um, yes, yeah. But considering he wasn't actually you know, a trained astronomer, astronomer, was he? No, it was just sort of like a. I suppose you say it's it almost like a, a, a hobby to him to begin with. It's, it was his enthusiasm, wasn't it? it? Was. More than anything yeah. else that basically made the program and got people interested. That's it. Now, for those of you who have forgotten, what's the Doctor Who connection here? Well, obviously, if you've forgotten, he was in uh, Matt Smith's first episode, Eleventh Hour, as one of the experts helping to alert. Uh, what was it? The Atraxi, wasn't it? Yes. That Prisoner Zero was on Earth. So, yeah. So, and he also didn't he try to hit on um, Annette Crosby? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact that he got hit there as an old flirt as well. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, dear. Excellent. 
yeah, so he he will be he will be sadly sadly missed. Now, unfortunately, there was another um, passing of, of another um, BBC. I suppose we could say again, institution, Kenneth Moore. Yes. Kenneth Moore. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's interesting. <laughs> Kenneth Lose. Moore. Bloody hell. <laughs> yes, I'm announcing the death of Kenneth Moore. No, Kenneth Kendall. Zero, <laughs> dear. Yes, Kenneth Kendall unfortunately passed away uh, during the week at the age of 88. Yes. Um, now, for those of you, again, you, if you don't know what the Doctor Who connection is here, um, he had a part in The War Machines in episode four. Yes. Which was uh, William Hartnell's story. Um, it's also one we did as an audio commentary many, many months ago now, wasn't it? Yes. Last year, wasn't it? It may well have been, I yeah. think That's... it was. I think it was one of our earlier earlier episodes. Cool, blimey. Um, now, as I said, Institution, he was he was the first televised newsreader on BBC television in 1955. So he was the first newsreader to have his face on, on TV, which was, um, that's a record in itself. But yeah, he was like a mainstay of the BBC News for long as I can remember. Uh, and then, of course, he went on to do Treasure Hunt on Channel 4. Yeah, which probably more people would know remember him for yeah. now than, than that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, very, very tenuous links to them, but didn't, neither of their appearances amounted to much more than a cameo, but they, I think the pair of them, it went a lot further than that, really, didn't it? Yeah, with, with I mean, their... what it did show is, is, the, is the cameo appearance of people in the new series isn't just something that's been dreamed up by the new people doing the new series. No, that's it. That's it, it's just been carried on. And actually, the one thing, when I was looking at um, sort of Kenneth Kendall's obituary, uh, it said, and I've completely forgotten, that he also had uh, a part as a newsreader in 2001 A Space Odyssey as well. Yeah. Which I've completely forgotten about. So he sort of carved a niche for himself in doing sci-fi, didn't he? <laughs> if he needed someone for sci-fi newsreading, he was the man. He was the man, he was your go-to guy. There you go. Okay then. Right, well, that's it for the news, but before we go... It's time for Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! And in the Tat Corner this week, we have two items for your delectations. Now, a couple of weeks back, uh, we mentioned about the micro figures range. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, now there are five special edition micro figures. Uh, basically, it's the quickly go through, and you've got a cat suited River Song. Uh, you've got Amy Pond with the uh, tally marks on her uh, for detecting the silence. You have uh, a Matt Smith length doctor in a, a dinner suit. Uh, you also have Rory in his nurse's uniform. And then the 10th doctor in a, in a space suit. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, as we said that last time, they're actually in sort of like, <laughs> like full bags. You don't know what you're buying. Yeah. So these are going to be extremely rare, um, and you're going to have to spend one hell of a lot of money, probably, to even stand remotest of chances of getting one. Yeah. God, I'm glad I don't try and collect those. Oh. I, I, or I, have any children that want to collect Yes, those. I know. It, or to it, the point. Yeah, I, I think this is just a big rip-off, to be honest. I know they're not, you know, they're not um, that expensive, but when you add it up to the fact that maybe... So, as you said, if you're collecting them or you've got kids that are collecting them, you're going to keep buying them and buying them until they get the one they want. In our days, it was football stickers, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> when, it? when we were lads. Aye, aye. That's right, lad. Yeah, well, yeah, but that was, that, okay, that was the, um, that was the whole idea of it. You swapped them, didn't you? Yeah. You swapped them with other people. Um, I, 
maybe the same thing happens with these. I don't know. Maybe yeah. things haven't changed at all when it comes to that sort of thing. But yeah, it, it does seem a bit of a ridiculous bloody idea, to be honest. Yeah. And as I said the other week, a load of bollocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're still not warming to them. Though. I'm not. No, I stand by my statement on that. <laughs> it's a load of bollocks. Okay, right. And the last piece of news, and then this in, uh, tat this week, not news. Tat this week. It's an expensive piece of tat, and it's one I actually happen to think is rather good. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a PC basically. Yeah. But the it's a tower PC, but the tower is shaped like the TARDIS. Yeah, and it's a clever bit of design. It is. I think it looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, it, it starts from £935 if you wish to buy one. Yeah. And I'm assuming that is the uh, that is the basic specification you can buy. Yeah. You do do think, though, that, you know, you'd be... How would you feel about having to take it to PC World to get it repaired? <laughs> It's even more of a worry than what's on your hard drive, isn't it? <laughs> it, it well, it is for some people. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we all know what happened to those glam rockers, didn't we? So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the idea. You'd just be too embarrassed. It's a safety device for, <laughs> for people who are unsure what they're downloading. It makes you too ashamed to take it to PC World. <laughs> Uh, I I don't know if the, if the if the light flashes on the top or anything when you turn it on. I'm I'm I've no idea, but it does look really good. It's modelled on on the eleventh uh, Doctor's TARDIS. Yeah. So it's got the uh, was it called the Pantone blue colour, and it's actually manufactured. You can buy it through a company called Scan Computers, uh, based in Bolton, and it's an officially licensed BBC Worldwide product as well. Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. But the uh, it was actually designed by a, a company called Head Cases in Dorset, so, so it looks like they've got the patent on the uh, on the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I can so, see it as an idea. It, it works. Yeah, it's and... good. I think it's really good. Yeah, it's like the fact the CD tray is the yeah uh, the, the police box sign at the top. Yeah, the public call box sign. You know, the black strip. So that, no, it looks, I think it looks really good. Actually, it's it's a lot of money though. Probably sort of money that people haven't got to spend at the moment. But and you wonder how easy it is to put in other bits if you want to upgrade it. Well, look, it's decide, you know. Well, looking at this, it's not that easy. No. It looks like to be a lot of um, on-board stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it might be a little bit tricky doing that. Is this just getting a bit too geeky now? That we're I think Doctor, it might be, actually. Doctor Who podcast, we're now talking about difficulties in upgrading your PC. <laughs> Ah, this is a, it's a service we're providing. Come I on. <laughs> okay, then, folks, that's it for the news this week, and that's it for Omega's Tech Corner. Um, yeah, so coming up soon is our review of Project Twilight, the big finished production. So for another week, then, that was the news. Okay, then, folks, it's time for us to take another look at some more big finish. It's our... Uh, well, it's our third audio review, but our, only our second big finish, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so uh, this is a Sixth Doctor story called Project Twilight. Oh, I should have guessed. It only stands to reason, after all. What does? That before too long, you'd bring your lot into it. I'm used to it by now. My lot? Are all Time Lords this arrogant? Or is it just you? 
Do you all believe that your beloved Gallifrey is the centre of the galaxy? Well, actually, it is. You see, Casterberus is in... Oh, please, Doctor. Will you just listen to me for once? (laughs) We're in a squalid little hole in Bermondsey. What on earth has Reggie's little blood feud got to do with Gallifrey and all its pomp and circumstance? What's it got to do... Oh, Evelyn, you have no idea Explain how... Explain it to me, then. Talk to me, Doctor. Helping those creatures out there goes against every fibre of my being. They hunted down my people wherever they fled, enslaved entire worlds, and why? Because we were fool enough to free them from their own dimension. We unleash their evil into the universe. It's the duty of every Time Lord to ensure that wherever they're found, they are hunted down and destroyed. You're not making any sense. No. How could the Time Lords be responsible for a two-bit mobster? You're blowing this out of all proportion. You can't understand. You'll never understand. Trust me, Doctor. That's something I learned as soon as I stepped on board the TARDIS. And first of all, I think we'd better say that it's probably going to... It's not going to probably... It's definitely going to be very spoilery, this. Very spoilery, yeah. So um, if, you, if you haven't heard it and think you might want to listen to it, then... Perhaps don't listen to the rest of this podcast until you have. Yeah, that's it. Now, uh, this was actually first released in August 2001, so it's by no means a new release at all. No. You know, so, uh, yeah, because as we have said before, we're, we're very sort of late coming to the uh, the Big Finish party, really, aren't we? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this is our... I mean, I've, I've actually listened to Colin Baker, uh, Big Finish stuff before, So, but this is actually the first one we've actually reviewed for the for the podcast so um i thought we should go into a little bit what the story's about first uh <clears throat> yeah i mean the whole point of it was i think when this was released the the whole idea was trying to keep as much of the story away from people until they listened to it wasn't it yeah it certainly although, was. although recent films and genre have completely overridden that that you can probably guess by the title now. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, if you <laughs> yeah, you get a, a pretty good idea of uh, with the um, sort of like the the twilight explosion on the cinema. Yeah, yeah, as you say, it does give it away here. Actually, yeah, yeah. from uh, two thousand and one, yeah. it was probably quite easy. It wasn't that obvious. Actually, exactly. Yeah, and the uh, and the cover doesn't give anything away either. No. So, yeah, so the, the brief synopsis, and I'm going to read this off of the Big Finish website. Okay. In the renovated Docklands of south-east London or the bank of the River Thames, the doors of the dusk are open for business. Bets are called, cars are dealt, and roulette wheels spun. As fortunes are won and lost, an inhuman killer stalks the local avenues and alleyways, a killer with a taste for human flesh. Uh, is there more to casino owner Reggie the Gent Mead, or is he just a common gangster? What secrets are hidden in the bowels of the dusk? And what connection does the apparently sleazy Bermondsey Casino have to a long-buried government initiative known as Project Twilight? The Doctor must form an uneasy alliances where the line between friend and enemy is blurred, playing games of chance. But are the stakes too high? So even that description doesn't give away a lot, really, does it? No. Not a lot. Uh, But basically, it opens, uh, the story actually opens in the First World War, doesn't it? Yeah, and um, probably actually, I think, gives slightly too much... For what they was trying to do, mm. probably gives slightly too much away about the characters involved. Does it? It still doesn't actually sort of give away the... Uh, how can I put it? The the nature of the characters too much. Yeah. You just know something there's... Experiment- They're being experimented, experimented on. on. Yeah, um, and you get the... 
the thing that what one of his this doctor's previous experiments has come back. Yeah. Uh, for their revenge. Yeah. Basically. Which in some ways then gives sort of gives away the fact that perhaps they're not just these people that are looking for a cure for themselves. Mm. Because well, you get the bit there that well, they well, are. Well, let, let's explain to everybody. Basically, they're being experimented on and they're turning to vampires. Yes. But it's not the, the usual kind of uh, vampire thing where they sort of... They, they can't spread themselves, basically, or create new vampires just by biting people's necks. No. They have, they to, have to be. They have to have their DNA changed and through scientific means. Yeah. Basically. So... Um, and this the, the audio goes to great lengths. Well, I mean, they give you various clues along the way. Mm. But really, to try and hold it back to almost the end of it, halfway through, before it is actually officially announced. Yeah, and I think... They are vampires. Yeah. And I think this is the bit that sort of... I don't, I don't know. It sort of thought, are oh, vampires, really? It wasn't, a, it wasn't an original idea as such, was it? No. I mean, the to a certain extent, it's... You could understand... <clears throat> why they might be considered to be good um, killers in terms of if you're looking to create an army of superhumans. Mm. You can understand why uh, yeah, this, that would, that yeah, would appeal. Yeah, that was the whole idea, wasn't it? An army of yeah. superhumans, but obviously they had some uh, side effects, as it were. Vampire side effects. They couldn't get the usual thing. They couldn't go out into daylight, water. Well, no, it wasn't like supposed. That, to, was it? It was. It was some were. It was built in. It was what the forge built into them. Some were allergic well, to something. Some were allergic to others. Well, this is what I couldn't quite figure out because they all seem to be affected by the same thing. Yeah, but I think they what was supposed to be that they could manipulate the DNA to certain ex- to an extent that they could give different characteristics to each of them so they knew how to kill them if they needed to. Mm. Yeah, it just seems that they, they could all seem to be killed the same way to a certain degree. Um, she, but she could go out into the sun. Some of them could go out into the sun. It was only Nathaniel who couldn't go into the sunlight. Mm. And presumably... Which kind of makes a, a mockery of the, of the title then. Um, yeah, to a certain extent. Well, I yeah. suppose to a certain extent it was... Um, a case of they they could have changed the the vampire DNA start stage of it to what would be yeah. kill would kill different ones. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just didn't seem. To, I thought when it got to like vampires, because I, I actually thought to begin with it was, it was quite an interesting pr- uh, premise, and it, it as you say, it didn't give away too much. No. Uh, but then when it, when, it did the, when the word sort of vampire was mentioned, or you sort of realised what they were. Yeah. I thought, oh, this is a little bit. A bit cliched, really. Um, and then it just got to a point where the vampires wanted to take over the world, and it was just a little bit. Again, that was very, very cliched. It didn't bring. There was nothing new to the store, you know, to, to bring to the the whole vampire genre, really. Yeah. No. I mean, the interesting part of this story was was the fact that you to not be sure who was necessarily the good guys and who was the bad side. Were were they? Was Nimrod? the bad people mm. was the fools of the bad people or were they you know well I think it's one of those it's one of those things where nobody was was, uh, was yeah yeah there, there was a, uh, yeah very very grey areas of who was good and who was bad yeah in this one I mean it did have some interesting bits in it that's the thing it just when it, as soon as I mentioned the word vampires I just sort of kind of I kind of lost interest a little bit 
Mm. No, other than that, I mean, it's it's probably because actually, to a certain extent, that since this was made, vampire has become quite a a cliched subject. Well, it's it certainly is now that well they they sort of basically watered down what a vampire is in in sort of popular yeah. culture, and this really was sort of began with an interview with a vampire. Yeah, you know this, you know the notion of the romantic vamp, you know the romantic vampire. It was you know it's I suppose it all goes back to uh, you know Bram Stoker's original Dracula, and I suppose you know his Dracula wanted to sort of spread vampirism across London, didn't he? So again, it's no real. As I mean, it hasn't brought anything new to it. It's this basic, the same yeah. story just being told again in a different in a different format. But yeah, it was. I mean, there were some good performances in it. I thought Colin Baker was excellent as always. Yeah, I mean, listening to this, the problem is actually um, there is a slight thing with listening to it because everything about Colin Baker recently has been his esc- escapade in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah, I did find myself imagining him dressed like he was in the jungle rather than, <laughs> which actually probably was an improvement. Yeah, I think it probably was actually. Now I do know what you mean. You see the older Colin Baker there now, don't you? Yeah. You, I know the sort of like this was, you know, um, was it eleven years ago? This was this was made well, over eleven years ago now. So he obviously he he does sound a lot older now anyway. But even back then, he sounded obviously sounded older than he did back in the eighties. But, yeah. but I think this is because so much time's passed. As you say, you just see him as he is now. You picture him in your in your, in your mind's eye, don't you? Yeah, but th- it, that hasn't necessarily happened with some of the other audio stuff. I haven't necessarily had that problem with any of the Davison stuff I've heard. I think the problem is you don't see a lot of Peter Davison because Colin Baker will crop up on the odd thing on television. I don't know, I think Peter Davison's pretty much... Well, what's he done recently? Um, He did that last detective, didn't he? That was years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah but that's, I... but that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. You, what does he look like now? The last thing I yeah. actually saw him in was Time Crash. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm saying. I think I mean, he's done the odd comedy stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. But I don't know if he's done theatre or something. But it's just that, I mean, again, with McCoy, when I've listened to McCoy Big Finish stuff, I I can see him in the 80s. His yeah. voice hasn't changed that much, to be perfectly yeah. honest. The thing is, actually, what was, the point I was going to go on and make mm. on this was the fact, actually, I think Colin Baker's Doctor actually suited being older. Yes. Even from the the 80s. That slightly pompous... Pompous, arrogant... Yeah. Sort of side to it. Yeah, yeah. It's much more of a... Much closer to a Hartnell Doctor than anybody else. I think... And I, now he's... And now he's actually gr- almost grown into the Doctor. I think he has actually almost grown into his Doctor's persona. Well, I think another thing as well, be- because of, you know, because this is big finish, he's been allowed to play the Doctor as he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, a-, a-, a lot more than I think he was allowed to uh, whilst he was on the television. Yeah, oh, uh, certainly. And yeah, certainly, but then, and, and that Doctor was always meant to develop in a way it was never allowed to anyway, even then, that's wasn't right. it? Yeah, that's right. And also, you know, giving him... Some decent uh, companions as well. I mean, Perry was a decent companion, but unfortunately, wasn't there long enough. Yeah. Um, he saw out the rest of his tenure with uh, Mel Bush. Yeah. Which was an awful companion, awful character. Um, but in this story, his companion is, is Evelyn Smith. Yeah. Or even actually... Smythe, we want to call it. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, even Smythe. So, um... but which actually doesn't feature a hell of a lot in this. 
Now, this is the problem I had with it, actually. Not with the, the actual character, because I, I, this is the first Evening Smile story I've listened to. And I did like the character. Yeah. It's, it's, an old, it's, obviously, it's an older companion for the Doctor to travel with. Which is nice, actually. I it think. is nice, yeah. Uh-huh. She's, she's not your screaming uh, companion either. No. Not, not prone to that. And but, I must admit, I would like to listen to some more. Yes, def- definitely. So would I. Uh, but my problem was she sounded too much like the other actress playing the character of Amelia Dor- uh, Dory. Yeah, I know what you mean about that. There's yeah. a couple of bits when they're having a conversation. He wasn't quite sure which one of them had said the line. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I looked up the uh, actress playing Amelia, uh, and that was Holly... Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Holly de Jong. And I, I'm trying to think, where have I heard that name before? And it's one of those actresses that sort of popped up in things here and there. But the, what I remember, what I finally realised, what I remembered her from was uh, she was an episode of Black Adder. Right. Do, do you remember that uh, it was in the second series, one with Jayla Ploppy, where they, they execute the wrong person, they execute her yeah. husband when the Queen has uh, stayed his execution. Yes. Yeah, she played the the, the condemned man's wife. Oh right. Yeah, so I just I recognised the name. That's that. That was that was it. That was, that was what she's from. Um, but that was as I said, that was the problem when both her character and the character of Evelyn Smythe were together. You had to because their voices were very very similar, weren't they? Yeah, there were there was a couple of points where you did think it's a bit too close. Yeah, but yeah. So um, I'll just cut my hand on the keyboard. Try. Um, now, I thought another person who was very, very good was the Cassie character, played by Rosie uh, Cavallero. Yeah. I thought she was really good. Now, I, again, it was another actress, sort of, sort of, where have I seen her before? And she's actually popped up in quite a few comedy things. Yeah. Um, she was in a short-lived TV series on Channel 4 called Spoons, which is like a series of like different little sketches. Uh, she was really good on that. She was also in uh, Bellamy's People. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. I didn't say no, that. No, she, she was in that. She was, I mean, everything I've seen her, she's actually been very, very good. And she's... I thought this is how good she is. She's nothing like the character she's playing in this audio story. Yeah. Because she's not young like the character. Or as young as the character, I should say. I think she did a really, really good job. No, yeah, I mean, she comes across as very sympathetic character, isn't it? I mean, yeah. and you do sort of kind of feel sorry to what happens to her. Yeah, in the end, she's like the innocent amongst all this, wasn't she? Yeah, being played off by, um, or both sides really. Yeah, and even that, even when she's changed, she still retains some of that. Yeah, she doesn't want to go. Yeah, ripping people's throats out, you know. So as you're talking of ripping uh, people's throats out, it's actually quite a gory story, isn't it? Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, it is quite interesting how they, I was going to say, drip feed you the blood bits, but um, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I didn't want to say that, actually. I didn't want to stop myself, but then realised I had to say it. Like, you don't realise when he keeps pouring himself a drink Yeah. until later on that it's actually blood he's pouring out rather than scotch yeah. or something yeah, the, yeah, like this, that. The, yeah, this is the Reggie Mead, the gangster yeah. character who, who owns. Now, one thing we haven't sort of made quite clear that... Uh, the, we mentioned when we read the synopsis at the beginning, Dusk is the name of a nightclub. Yeah. A nightclub stroke casino. Um, and basically in the bowels of this casino, you've got Amelia and uh, Reggie, who are basically sort of uh, finding people to experiment on. Yes. Under the cover of uh, being East End gangsters. Yeah, that's it. Uh, or South East London East gangsters. End gangsters, we gangsters say. yeah. Yes. Now, 
we did say this before we listened to it. We were a bit worried about accents here, weren't we? Yeah. Because we are from South East London. Yes. And we do know that any time anyone plays a gangster in something like this, it tends to be overdone. And for the and for the most part, he was okay. Yeah. It was only really towards the end. Yeah, when he went sort of a bit off the handle. Yeah. And it got a little bit, um, how could I put it, very stereotypical. Yeah. Gangster talk, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I, I was, I was quite surprised that you know it. They did manage to get a halfway decent attempt at like you're not going too over the top with all the gangster stuff and talking, yeah, talk, and, and talking hard and all that, you know. But as you say, not until the end. Yeah, it wasn't until um, Matthew came along that it really got more towards that, wasn't it? Yeah. And the character of Matthew came along, yeah, but it started to get a bit uh, over the top, and then obviously it just carried on, almost as the typical sort of almost gangster film where the where it all starts to unwind around the lead gangster, mm. and he goes off the rails, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, completely off the rails. So yeah, it was. Um, but as I was saying about the, the gory bits, you had you know someone being impaled on a. Uh, what was it a, a crossbow bolt? Yeah, which was Nimrod. The, this is this character called Nimrod. You know, don't quite find out what he who he is at the beginning, do you? He sort of no. uh, seems to be stalking people around this nightclub, and he kills. Uh, was it Eddie? Was yeah, that, yeah. At the, at the beginning, this character called Eddie, uh, who basically explodes once yes. they get him inside. Um, and the, again, the use of sound in this is very, very good. <laughs> Because you, yeah, you, you hear bits of him splatter all over the place, don't you? <laughs> you do know exactly what's going on, don't you, just by yes. the, the sound effects alone. Yeah, indeed. Uh, you, you get the sort of like the, the doctor saying that, you know, these. Because um, he was trying to save him, wasn't he? Yeah. But basically, at that point, there was nothing that could be done. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, he was one dead vampire, basically. Starts, yeah, he starts wondering why the body's starting to heat up. Yeah. Mm, that was that was very good. That yeah, but that, that, good. I mean, again, that was an interesting take on the stake through the heart. Yeah, thing you know. But I think it's the fact that it, it just got the, the 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 end of the story for me anyway. It just got a little bit too. Um, it was very very cliched. I mean, what I did yeah. like was the was was the idea of the farming. Mm, yeah, go on, go on. What of, you the, like of the of the humans. No, just yeah. an idea that that would be how modern vampires would work. If they needed blood, rather than going out now and randomly attacking people mm. that would draw attention to themselves, they would basically be farming humans. Well, I think that has... I don't know if it's been done as well, that, but... Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure but it has, I don't know if it's done since. That. I think it might have been done yeah. since then, actually, yeah, in other, in other, but, in other media. No, but. But I, just, I just quite like the, the idea of that and the fact that when the Doctor tries to save them because they haven't known anything else... Yeah, because obviously things have been taken at young ages or whatever. Mm. They just don't know what to do, and he yeah. has to leave them. Yeah, yeah. Now there, there, you know, there was some. I mean, once you sort of got to know a bit more about um, the Nimrod's character, yeah, as well. Um, I mean, again, you, you thought he was basically on the side of on the side of good uh, with basically killing these evil vampires, but he was he was anything but, was he? No. He was just as bad as they were, so that's what we were saying at the beginning. It's it's very a story where the doctor can't really trust anyone. No, and when he does, it does sort of go wrong for him, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he gets it wrong 
quite often, yeah. which is actually quite good for his doctor because his doctor is so pompous. Yeah, that it's you know the the having to admit that he's actually made mistakes. So this is what it's this probably is what... harder for him than it would be for say Davison's doctor. Mm. But that's like this is what I like about these big finishes: the doctor isn't all seeing and all knowing. No, and it's pretty much like Doctor Who of old, which I'm I'm I'm, I'm pleased about. Yeah. Because otherwise, it, if you end up with each story, the Doctor walks in, oh, I know exactly what this is. Yeah. I think which is fine for a a 45-minute uh, story format on the television now, because you've got to get it all out in, in that 45 minutes. So you haven't got yeah. a lot of time for any exposition. Whereas, like the old uh, classic um, Doctor Who, where you had a proper, you know, a, a four-part serial, perhaps, which is which is what this is. Yeah. Um, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to make the Doctor not quite so, you know, this this sort of walking encyclopedia. Mm. It takes and a while for it to dawn on him, doesn't it? Yeah. And and also from from the the whole thing, it suits the format, doesn't it? In the fact that if as you learn with the Doctor mm. what's going on, yeah, rather it, than when you're watching TV and it's you know they can it's all spelled got... out for you, isn't it? Yeah. 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 No, it's, I think I think it's a, it's a pretty good story. It's, it's very very well acted. I just don't think the story's that original. That's that's my only my only sort of caveat to it. But as an audio story goes, it it it, it cracks along at a good pace. Yeah, as, as usual for sort of Colin Baker's story, it seems to carry from from where the television left off. It's quite violent. Yeah, in places, uh, quite bloodthirsty. Uh, if, that, if that's your if that's your thing, so yeah, I, it's I, I would recommend it. Yeah, I mean, it works from the point of view that it is a very small, self-contained cast as well. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't really, it doesn't stray at all from the nightclub, does it? No, I mean, yeah, it does, literally that and the alleyways around it, and that's it. Yeah, that's all you're going to get, other than the opening few minutes. Oh, as you said, set back in the First World War or whatever. Yeah, there, are, that's it. Then and everything else then takes place within the nightclub. Yeah. Which was uh, it worked? I think you know it worked well. It did work well. Yeah. As you say, just the fact that, as we said, you have got two actresses who sound very, very similar. And you wonder whether that's actually now what, why they whether they realised that um, once they'd got them all together, or once they'd started listening to them, that that's why the the, the companion isn't in this a lot. No, she does go off with um, the Cassie character a lot, doesn't she? Yeah, Evelyn. So to keep them, to keep her separate from Amelia. Yeah. And yeah. then when she crops up again later on, it's um, she's gone to look for. Well, she's with she's with Cassie, and Reggie comes in then again, doesn't it? She always is put with Cassie rather than with the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, you're right. Actually, they were kept apart for quite a, a, a large proportion of the story. Yeah. But no, it's I'd, I'd say it, it's it's good. I would recommend it. I wouldn't say it was a it was a classic, just because of the vampire thing. Yeah, for me anyway. But I don't know what. I mean, what's your, what what's your sort of your summing up? I should say. No, I quite liked it. Um, I probably there's cause there's two more that follow, isn't, isn't there? On this, yeah. Well, it's I also, think so. It's apparently something in like book form and another yeah. media as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's all to do with more with, with the the forge, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously this is Big Finish's version of Torchwood, isn't it? Almost the forge. <laughs> it is actually and preceding yeah. it, um, yeah. which is quite interesting from that point of view. But no, no I, I like this. I like this episode actually. Yeah, I just I think probably more could have been done in in the good and evil and who's who's which side should you be on or if any. 
before it's all revealed. I don't think perhaps they took that as far as they could have done. No, and well, spent well, some the, building up. Well, there was only really one character you could side with uh, if you put aside the people from you know the Doctor and, and Evelyn, um, and that was really the character of Cassie. Yeah, because she was just stuck in the middle of it all. Was completely you know innocent. Yeah, Nimrod was getting her to do um, his dirty work to try and get information about what they were doing in, inside the nightclub. Yeah. And then you also got them, once they find out what she's up to, then they basically turn her into a vampire. Yeah. Although you, although you hear they've already got plans to do that anyway, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, because it's quite weird, actually, because you've got um, the Amelia character sort of basically sort of um, coveted Cassie yes. a lot, didn't she? Yeah. Yes. No, if, to say, if there was, some, there was some good stuff in it, it was very, very well, well acted. Yeah. And the, I thought the dialogue was really good. It, it was just the actual plot sort of let itself down towards the end when it just got to a simple we want to take over the world sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, so. Certainly I'd like to hear more of the Sixth Doctor and this companion. Oh, definitely. It's definitely the thing that's come out of this because I quite like the idea of the older companion. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've, you know, I've had listened to... I was going to say, in, in this in this episode, in, in Big Finish terms, not just generally. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I like to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that thing, is it? I've, I've heard... Um, I've only had got a couple of Colin Baker um, stories, and I've always, I've obviously wanted to hear more. And I've, every every time I listen to him, I've not been disappointed. No, really haven't. I think I think he's he's becoming the Doctor he should have been. Yes, or he has become the Doctor he should have been. Now he's been doing yeah. this for a number of years now on Big Finish. But I mean, from my point of view, and having listened to a few of them, I'd say yeah, he is becoming the Doctor he should have been. Yeah, in my eyes, anyway. And I think it does. It, I think the fact of it, this actually would be a would have been a very good doctor as played by an older person. Yes, definitely. So I think he has definitely. sort of almost grown into the role. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's a that's a, a good um, a good place to to end this. Really, we both like it. Yeah. Okay, I've got certain. So it comes with a certain caveat for me, but um, I think it's sort of as we said, well acted. Yeah. Um, well directed as well, and um, yeah, we 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 recommend it. Yes, we do. Even though we just spot the whole well, bloody thing. Well, I was going to say, say, if you're waiting, to, waiting for our recommendations of whether you're going to listen to it or not, you've probably missed the, the point of this. So we, to, cause we told you not to listen. We did tell you not to listen, indeed. <laughs> but if you did, if you if you couldn't wait, go and listen to it. It's good. It is good. Yeah. Right, okay. So uh, that now leads us into what are we doing next week, then? Yeah, I thought we'd probably go back to... When we was doing reviews, we missed out the... Christmas special, didn't we? Yeah, because they didn't really. I think the only one we've actually reviewed, sort of not at the time it was aired, was the Christmas Carol, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe. Or did we review that? I can't remember. Yes, we did. Yeah. No, at the time. No, we didn't. No. Wonder why we didn't do that. Um, I think it just preceded us. I think. Oh, I honestly can't remember. Oh, well, no. I think I think I think you're right. Actually, yeah, because it came yeah. after. Yeah, we weren't doing this for series five, were we? No, that's it, because we did it separately. Um, yeah. yeah, so obviously, Christmas episodes have got to be seasonal, haven't they? Yes. Really? We can't actually do it in the middle of summer. It doesn't really <laughs> It doesn't really go, does it? So, um, no. yeah, so we've decided on which Christmas special to have a look at next week. And it was actually one we were going to use in, a, in, a, in our Christmas special this year. Yeah. Which we never got round to doing. No, unfortunately, you'll be pleased to know. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> so next week, then we are going to review the next Doctor. Yes, yes. 
Yeah, we're sorry. (laughs) We're so sorry. This is not the end of time, parts one and two. We've already done that. We're not going back to that again. No. No. So, uh, yes. So, so next week, then, it's the next Doctor. Um, It might be out on Sunday, next Sunday, or it might be out on Christmas Eve. Yeah, but we'll try and get it out this year. Yes, it will be out this year. (laughs) It will be out before uh, this year's Christmas special airs on on BBC One. Yes. We know that much, anyway. (laughs) Okay then, folks. Okay, so that's that for this week then. So we'll be back next week, uh, either Sunday or, or, or Monday. So for another week then, it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. You were listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. Who's he?